everyone is uh, doing well today? Are you? Yep. <laughs> I'm doing great because my Bulldogs won. <laughs> if you have your um, Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 33 through 37. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Many of you know this childish oath, right? I know if I, when I was a kid, I've taken that oath many times. And some of you probably still do today in some form or fashion. You see, the oath is, is meant to communicate that one is serious about keeping a secret and being honest and truthful in what they promise and say. Your secret is safe with me. I promise I would do that. I swear I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. But now there's a twist with this childless oath. Because as kids, you see, we, we sometimes say this oath with our fingers crossed behind our back. We say it, but we have our fingers crossed behind our back. And the reason we have our fingers crossed is because we really have no intention of fulfilling what we promise. We communicate it with our lips, but our hearts are far from that commitment. We would not follow through, so we have our fingers crossed behind our back. All of us have a, I think, a natural tendency to make promises, take oaths, swear to do things, and we don't always follow through. This is seen in our country. This is seen in the world where people blur the lines between truth and deceit. We did a scene when people tell little white lies because, you know, it's just a little white lie. It's not a big lie. It's a, it's a little lie. It is seen and when we, really, when we say yes, but we really mean no. Right? We say yes, but we really mean no. And we can even spiritualize it. I'll go ahead and say yes, but I ask for forgiveness later because I'm not going to do it. I'll go ahead and say yes, but I ask for forgiveness later because I'm under grace, not the law. Now this morning, Jesus is going to call each of us out for such a practice. Why? Because remember his goal so far in this series. And his goal is to present all of us as mutually broken people before the throne of God. Broken people who don't have it all together. Broken people who are not cookie cutter. Broken people who desperately need a Savior who redeems and a Lord who governs them. Regardless of who you are, Regardless of your race, regardless of your politics, regardless of where you live and your zip code, you're broken. You either own it or you hide it. You either will own it or you'll hide it. So you have your Bible. This is God's Word. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 33. This is God's Word, not mine. Again, you have heard it that it was said of those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, 
about the earth, for it is his footstool, about Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let, no one, let, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is God's word. You please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to your truth, we, we desperately need your spirit to come and draw our hearts closer to Jesus. We need the spirit to move. We need him to convict. We need him to encourage. We need him to give us what we need, Lord, to, to go back out and fight one more day, one more week. You're not naive, Father. You see clearly our lives. Our lives are an open book before you. We can come in here and look all nice and dress it up, but you know. You see. You're not fooled. You know the insecurities. You know the sleepless nights. You know the worries. You know the frustrations. You see the brokenness. So, Father, I pray that you continue to break down our walls so that we can see you and so you can provide the healing that we truly need. We cannot heal ourselves. If so, Jesus did not have to come. If we could heal ourselves, he didn't have to go to the cross. But because he came and died, it shows us that we cannot fix ourselves. We can band-aid it, we can't provide true healing. So Holy Spirit, undo us. Holy Spirit, break us. Holy Spirit, humble us. Humble me, Lord. For I'm preaching to my own heart. You see my sin. You see my frustration. You see my insecurities. I'm a beggar beneath the cross, just like everyone else here. And I'm looking up at you, just like everyone else here is doing too. So Holy Spirit, descend. Holy Spirit, do what you do best, that is draw your people closer to the heart of Christ. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen. In these verses, Jesus is uh, using God's moral law to, to, to bring you face to face with your own brokenness. That's what he, this, this is what he did in, in the verses 21 through 33, where he used the sixth and seventh commandment to do so. Now in the verses before this, today, he's going to show us that there are some implications of the third an eighth commandment that we don't always fulfill, we don't fulfill, and we don't honor. Namely, oaths and vows, making oaths and vows that we really have no intentions on fulfilling. When you say the oath, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, do we really mean it? Or are we saying it with our fingers crossed? We say the right words, but where's our heart? Where's your heart? See, Jesus is going to show us the brokenness in such a practice. He says, you have heard that it was said of old. This is a reoccurring phrase in, in this part of Matthew 5. And he uses this phrase to introduce a misunderstanding, some misinterpretation, some misapplication of God's law by the religious leaders of the day. Who were the religious leaders of the day? It was the scribes and the Pharisees. And what was their problem? They had a natural tendency to focus on their external righteousness. If I look good on the outside, then I'm fulfilling God's requirements of the law. As long as I'm looking good on the outside, I have done all that is needed, all that is required. But is that all that is required in God's moral law? No. You see, they reduce God's law to make it easier for them to, to fulfill it. 
That's why Jesus says, again, you have heard it said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. This statement deals with uh, taking oaths and making vows. And an oath is a solemn promise that you often invoke in a divine witness regarding one's actions and behaviors. A vow is a, is a promise to, of commitment, that you're going to be committed to what you say you're going to do. You're going to be committed to certain actions. And if you, if, you read through, if you read through the Old Testament, there are examples in the Old Testament of individuals taking oaths and making vows. There are also warnings attached to them as well. Leviticus 19.12 says, you shall, not swear by, by your, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord. I am the Lord. Even the third commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Numbers, 20, Numbers 32 says, Numbers 30, verse 2 says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath, and swears an oath to the Lord, I lost my place, or swears an oath, binds himself, binds himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. You shall do all that proceeds out of your mouth. All these passages in the Old Testament deal with there's a particular intent behind a vow that a person makes. And what is that intent? That is a binding. Whenever you make a vow or oath, it has a binding character to it. You are bound to it. You are bound to fulfill what you commit. It's a commitment to be truthful. It's a commitment to the truth. You will do what you say you're going to do. You will honor your commitment. And if you do not, then you're considered guilty of sin before God. You're considered to be guilty of sin. And I also believe here there are, these, are, these have implications to the third and the sixth commandment as well. We know the third commandment says you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. And the sixth commandment says you shall not uh, swear falsely against your neighbor. Both of these commandments deals with the use of the tongue, that you will be truthful and honest with, with the things that proceed from your mouth. Truthful and honest. The things that you say will be truthful. But is it? Look over your week. When you're on your jobs, when you're with your neighbors, when you're with your kids, when you're with your spouses, or you're with your significant other, have you been truthful in the things that proceed from your mouth, in the commitments that you make? When you tell someone, you can trust me, is that sincere? When you tell someone, I'll keep your secret, I, I, I won't share with anybody, trust me, do you really mean it? You see, there is a place in the Bible for oaths and, and vows as, as long as a person is truthful and honest to what they commit to. But in, but in Jesus' time, something has happened. Something has happened in the, in the, in the practice of taking oaths. Some, some misunderstanding, some misinterpretation, some bad application has, has taken place. And Jesus says, do not take a vow at all. Is he saying... Don't take a vow for anything like the oath you take in the court of law. Is he forbidding that? You take marriage vows. Is he forbidding that? My man, you take membership vows. Is he saying don't do that? No. That's not what he's talking about in, in this context. In this context, what he's dealing with is an oath formula. An oath formula that the religious leaders have created. 
Like the formula I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the, of the sermon, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. That's an old formula that we say because it makes us sound like we're going to really be committed to what we're going to commit to, but are we? He's challenging these old formulas. You see, the religious leaders of the time, they developed an old formula that could release them from, being, from fulfilling their commitment. They created an old formula that would allow them to break the oaths that they make. For example, in Matthew 23, 16, Jesus tell, talking to the religious leaders, he says, Woe to you, you blind guides, who says, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if he swears by the gold on the temple, then he's bound by his oath. He goes on to say, if, if anyone swears by the oath, altar, it is nothing. But if he swears by the gift that is on the altar, then he's bound by his oath. Do you see what they were doing? They're trying to find a loophole around oaths, around being committed to what they said they were going to do. If you swear by this, then you're bound by it. But if you swear by a lesser thing, then you're not bound. You can break it and not be in sin. John Stott says, these people shifted their attention away from the vow itself and they need to keep it to the formula used in making it. The formula determined if someone should keep the vow or not. Now, how do you think, how do you feel when you figure out a way around the system? How do you feel? You feel good, don't you? How do you, you feel great when you finally get to stick it to the man. I got it. I found a loophole. And so they thought they found a loophole around God's word. They probably feel the same way you feel. I found a way to make an oath and break it and not be in sin. That's what they were doing. What about you? They found inadequacy. They found a way uh, to outsmart the system. They believed that their oath formula allowed them to break their vow and they would not be in sin in the process because they swore on a lesser thing. As long as they're not swearing by the name of the Lord, then I'm not breaking the commandment. As long as I don't swear by the gold on the altar, I can not keep my um, vow to my neighbor and I'll be good. So what you swear by determines if you should keep it. If you swear on lesser things like heaven, by earth, by Jerusalem, by your head, or even by saying, I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. These things are considered less than. So you're not bound to keep what you promise. Because, quote unquote, you have not sworn by the name of the Lord. You see, the, the scribes and Pharisees, they, they, wanted to, they didn't want to break God's law. They didn't. So they came up with all these regulations so to help them not to. They, they didn't want to break the third and sixth commandment. And so they developed these formulas as a way around it. And what they were doing is they were actually lowering God's standards. They were lowering what, what he required of them to make it easier for them to fulfill the law. And Jesus shows them and us that you that still falls short. You still fall short. Why? Because you cannot divorce God from swearing and taking oaths, even though you swear by lesser things. Jesus said, don't swear by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Don't swear by the earth. It is his footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem. What is the city of the great king? Don't swear by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or gray. I mean, white or black. What does he say? You cannot get around using the Lord's name in the vows and oaths you take. That's what he's saying. 
You cannot get around it. There are no loopholes. There's no way to get around God's system. He's one man you can't beat. You can't. You can't get around him. In Matthew 23, he goes on to say, you, you blind guys. For which is greater, the, the, the altar, the gift, or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by everything that's on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by him who dwells in it. The point is that you are always in God's presence. I don't care where you are in this country. I don't care what job you work. You are always in his presence in your word and deed. You cannot get around using his name when you take an oath, when you make commitments. You have to honor them. You see, on the surface, these oath formulas, they appear to make one's words more trustworthy and credible. They, they appear to, to make one righteous when you use these type of formulas. But beneath the surface, something else is going on. It's a deceitful way to give you a free pass to break that commandment. To, to break that commitment. Deceitful way to, to get around fulfilling what you were promised to fulfill. They're, they're almost like an exit strategy, like a way out of your commitment. Gives you a way to break the third and sixth commandment and not be in sin. So what is your exit strategy when it comes to the things you promise? What oath formula do you use to cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye? Whose trust have you violated this week because you couldn't keep some information confidential? Who? When you tell your kids you promise to do something, do you mean it? Or do you promise it to keep them quiet so they start nagging you? I struggle with that one. I'll just be honest with you. Is your word really your bond? Or is it just a dishonesty? Does your yes really mean yes? Or is it deceit in disguise? Does it yes really mean yes? Or is it deceit in disguise? So where are you? Where is your heart? Please understand, there is no such thing as a non-bounding vow, regardless of the formula that you use. So if you say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, even with your fingers crossed, you're still bound by what you committed to do. You're still bound for it. Cross fingers does not release you from the commitment. These oath formulas are not just an exit strategy. It's really false, fake integrity, which is, which is promising to do something when you, have, when you know in your heart you don't want to do it and you're not going to do it. You just want to show face. This is at the heart of what Jesus is saying here. Externally, you say the right words. You're a smooth talker. You have a way with words. What's going on in your heart? But is your heart right? One Christian says, swearing is really a pathetic confession of our own dishonesty. Swearing is really a pathetic confession of our own dishonesty. Why do we find it necessary to introduce our promises by some formula? I swear by the archangel Gabriel, all by the host of heaven. I swear by the Holy Bible. The only reason is that we know our simple word not likely to be trusted. American politics is a great example of this. It is. Of having oath formulas. And here's my favorite one. We have the best interest of the American people in mind. Really. If you did, you won't have to tell me. 
You won't have to tell me. As you look back over your life, if you look back over this week, we can, get, we can hate on politicians, but guess what? We sometimes act the same way in our relationships. Are you always honest? Do you always display real integrity? Have you promised to do something this week that you know you're not going to do? Have you said, I'll say yes, but I'll just ask for forgiveness later to a brother and sister in the Lord? Remember, Jesus sees clearly the things we try to hide from other people. He knows that our word is not always our bond. He knows we break promises. He knows we, and we try to hide it. For he knows that you and I are broken people. He sees the deception behind our oath formulas, and he shows us that when it comes to God's moral law, we all fall short of it. We all fall short of the third and the sixth commandment. We do. Now, he shows you this not to beat yourself, not to beat you up, not to shame you. He's not going to guilt you. But he shows you to push you closer to him. Closer to him. Closer to the one who has fulfilled all the requirements of the moral law. It's for you. But do you believe it? And when you surrender to Jesus in saving faith, when you surrender your life to him as your Lord and Savior, you are made right with God. There's only one way a person is made right with God. It's through saving faith in Jesus, not by your obedience. It's not your performance. It's Jesus' performance. So where are you resting? Because if you're resting on your performance, you, go, you ain't going to make it. You ain't ever going to make it. But if you're resting on his performance, you will. And what was his performance? He lived a life you couldn't live. He fulfilled every requirement of God's law without, with no sin. He struggled. He was tempted. But he did not fall. Satan tried to trip him up in the wilderness. But he stood firm. Death could not hold him down. Jesus is a bad man in a good way. He's a bad man. And he did it for you. When you see and embrace your own brokenness, you will stop living to earn favor. You will learn to live in the favor that Jesus has earned for you. When you embrace your own brokenness, you will stop living to earn the favor that Jesus has earned for you. Just live in it. Just live in it. You already got it. There's nothing else you can add to what Jesus has already done. You know, what did he say on the cross when he died? It is finished. But do you believe it? Are you still trying to add to what he already accomplished for you? He alone atones for your sin. He alone makes you right with the Father. And those who are right with God live by faith and repentance, not by trying to be a good Southern Christian. You live by faith and repentance. And when the Holy Spirit works in your heart, it will change you. It will change you. And in our context, it means you will learn to honor your commitments 
and stand true to your word. Jesus redeems us from our sin, but he don't, live, he don't leave you in it. He redeems you, but he don't, live, he don't leave you in it. He does want us to live a certain way. And what does he say? Let your, what, what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. What is he calling you to? He's calling his people to practice truthfulness and honesty in the words they say, as opposed to dishonesty and deceit. Don't promise to do something you know you have no intentions on doing. Don't let, don't let the fear of man deceive you into doing things and saying things you shouldn't say. Don't do it. Just say, I ain't going to do it. Bonhoeffer says a disciple is called to be salt and light even in his words. A disciple is called to be light even in his words. Are you light even in your words when you deal with the people who frustrate you? Your neighbor? The people who get on your nerves? How about when the, hol- when you go- when the holidays come? Is that going to be true of you on Thanksgiving dinner? When you go home? What about Christmas? Are you going to be light in your words? An honest no is always better than a deceitful yes. An honest no is always better than a deceitful yes. Believe that. Practice that. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who is ready to forgive. You never show us our sin in order to guilt us. You show us our sin so we can repent of it. So that we can repent of it. And so, Father, as people who don't have it all together, as people who would never be cookie-cutter, as people who would never be perfect here in this life, we will always need Jesus. We're going to always need his grace, his forgiveness, him interceding on our behalf. And I thank you, Lord, that when he said it's finished, it is finished. He paid it all, Father, as the song said. He paid it all, all my sin, all my debt, all my issues. So, Father, help us to live in the rest and the favor that he purchased for us. This week, as we go out, as these families go out, these individuals go out one more week, help them to live in the security and the significance that they have in Jesus. Not in their performance. Not in their performance as spouses, as moms and dads, as bosses or employers, Lord. That they can't get their identity from those things. Those things cannot be their security and significance. Only Jesus. All other grounds. It's sinking sand. Help us to stand firm on the solid rock, Father. And that rock will always be Christ. In your son's precious name I pray. Amen. Will you please?